completely falling asleep, but then restless nightmares started again. And uh, one of the one of the one of the weird ones was uh, I'm going to show you now as well. But one of the weird ones was I saw this this like this hairy Wolverine kind of animal with long toes, but very human facial hair, long shaggy. Welcome to the Cross Chaining Podcast. I'm your host, Bernard Meyer. In today's episode, I chat to ultra endurance athlete, uh, John Obuerta, who just attempted a whole section of the Rhino Run the first time the event is running. Um, the Rhino Run is basically a non-stop, unsupported gravel ride from Plett to Vintuk. Yes, from Plett to Vintuk, that's 2,750 Ks of absolutely brutal everything, heat, gravel, tar, uh, and insane conditions. Um, you'll see uh, Banky and Abdullah just uh, finished the race uh, with Abdullah grabbing a lead or a win there right at the end of the uh, right at the end of the race. Um, and it's been an unbelievable thing to follow so far. Uh, Jono gives us an incredible insight into what it was like riding the first 1,200, 1,300 kilometers of the race where he was doing super, super well. Um, and then had to pull out due to some uh, some health reasons. Um, but it's amazing to hear the emotions and the motions that the athletes go through and just how grueling it is to, to be on your bike uh, for so long. Um, it's a long one. We get into some really gnarly details about what this, uh, this kind of event is like and what it's like riding your bike for this long. So enjoy the show. Um, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, Jono is is great at telling the story about his nightmares, his uh, encounters with some very dark times, um, and it's uh, it's super interesting. He's also the head of finance at Chiavita, uh, the cycling apparel brand, um, and they're doing some amazing, amazing things. So it's super cool to to get someone from the local uh, cycling industry on the pod, and and also hear what it's like to do one of these uh, insane absolutely ridiculous endurance events. Enjoy the episode. Jono, thanks so much for, for joining me, man. Welcome to the Cross Chaining Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> exciting to be here. <laughs> this, is, this is very exciting. Um, we have, uh, before the race is even over, one of the Rhino Run participants uh, having a chat with us at yeah. cross chaining. So this is super, super cool, dude. I'm super excited to hear all the nitty gritty details about this insane monumental race. Um, and we're going to get into a whole sort of discussion about it and, and all of that stuff. But can you give me a little, just a little insight into sort of where you are at the moment? Um, you work with Chiavita, which is super rad. And yeah, man, what got you into riding? Let's let's get a little bit of the backstory going. Unpack the history a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm uh, yeah I'm I'm head of finance at uh, Chivita, the cycling apparel manufacturing company. For anybody that doesn't know, <laughs> <laughs> potentially you never know. Um, yeah, that's a new role. I started there in April. Um, very exciting times. Challenging, definitely a challenge. Um, it's it's a growing company that's doing tremendous work uh, in South Africa, and mm -hmm. I think I think it's doing exceptionally well in the in the market right now, especially given the product that they're delivering is, is a, it's a world class product that's manufactured here. 
Yeah. I don't think a lot of people actually realize that all of our stuff, all the the majority of our stuff is actually manufactured in South Africa and that the company does create 240 jobs now. So, yeah. so it's, it's growing in size and, and responsibility and all the stresses that come with those things too. <laughs> um, but it's, a, it's very exciting. It's a very exciting role. I'm still learning the ins and outs of it, but mm. enjoying it so far. Yeah, good challenge. Amazing. Yeah. And have you always been interested in riding or like what's the, what got you into the, no, into the actually not. I, I was, I was one of those people that would aggressively or get, get upset with cyclists in, in the middle of the road and, <laughs> and all of that. But I was, I was more into running. I had okay. a, I have an ultra running background. So I've heard these rumors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so, well, the story goes a little bit further back. So in, in 2017, I was, I was working in New York okay. and um, I was not enjoying it at all. Like the, the hectic hours, the 16, 17 hour days was literally, it's, it's, not, it's not a cliche that they work those hours in was it, New York. Was it also a financial job? Yes, it, okay. but it was more in the audit space. Okay. Um, so, so like very, very soul destroying work and... <laughs> Just, I remember, I remember we, we had a board ranking the, the billable hours that everyone was charging. I think mine, my average for about three months was about 78 hours. And I was like, oh I was in the goodness. middle of the pack. I was, like, I was even close to the front that is of, what, of what guys were doing with their hours in New York. But I mean, that, it's just hectic. It's an unhealthy lifestyle. I was yeah. very unhealthy. I was like a little bit overweight, just always stressed out maybe partying a little bit too much instead of doing healthy things on weekends and and that kind of new york lifestyle um but i kind of i kind of cracked one friday night at at like one in the morning when i was sitting at the office i read an article about the appalachian trail that hiking trail and and then like i thought yo that sounds that sounds like worth doing so i i quit on Monday, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I, I was kind of going to sign a contract to stay on longer, and then I just said on the Monday that I'm not going to sign the contract to stay on. And then three weeks later, I was I was hiking, and that was the next six months basically. I was just hiking and kind of letting go of that mm. stress and that that life that I didn't really enjoy that much. Taking a bit of a sabbatical. Yeah, yeah, just clearing my path. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Completely clearing my path and, and a lot of joy came from that. I met Bryony while we were hiking, my wife now. Okay. So so we've been walking a path together since since Not 2017, bad. basically, after hiking that. And and I, mean, I suppose those hiking days, those 10, 11, 12-hour days, every day, very slow hiking kind of triggered something. And, and when I got back from the hike, I, I immediately started itching within two weeks because suddenly I'm not getting those endorphins or those, um, just the, the rush of the feeling of being, of exercising all day, basically. Mm. So I started running almost immediately after finishing the hike, um, immediately Googling what 100 mile races there are <laughs> because, you know, how can these guys be doing it at that yeah. speed when they don't even have heavy backpacks on? It's yeah. like... The maths made sense to me to to give it about a, a good go. So I've never run a hundred miles. It, it's still a goal of mine. But okay. <laughs> well, still somewhere there, I suppose. <laughs> like 
not not right in now. the back of my mind, but <laughs> it's not it's not a it's not a goal that's at the forefront yeah. right now. It's interesting that you that you got sort of uh, interested in the long distance stuff like from the beginning, and you were like interested in hundred mile runs, just like after doing a, a, a bunch of hikes. Yeah, well, it, I, I I don't know. Maybe I had affinity for it from when I was even younger. Like I remember. Like if we do swim sets at school, I'd, mm. I'd want to see how far I can far I can go, not how fast I can go, kind of. So yeah. I've always had the like a desire to see distance over speed, kind mm. of thing. Because that's I, I don't know, but like back then there was no such thing as ultra. Ultras were for you know I knew I knew of the comrades, and yeah. I thought that was just for you know those old guys, kind of thing. So I didn't I didn't really think there was an ultra space. I'd never. I didn't know anything about ultra until I finished mm. the hike, basically that there's this whole other ultra world yeah, yeah, yeah. commas out there. That's, um, that's just related to anything really from swimming to kayaking, paddling, mm. anything. So there's someone that's doing ultra endurance stuff, auditing, <laughs> working <laughs> ultra hours. Yeah, so. It's all the same. <laughs> yeah. It's all the same. I suppose it's, it's a mindset. Yeah. So. <laughs> so how long did you do the running for? And then, when did you shift over to the, the cycling? So I, I ran 2018, 2019, 2021. When did lockdown start? The hard lockdown, 21? 20, I think 2020. 2020, yeah. Yeah, halfway so, through 2020, so I think. So three and a half years, basically, running three, three and a half thousand Ks a year. But well, I think that was the peak at some point. Um, so you progressed pretty quickly as well. Yeah, I was, cool. I was, I went straight into it, but very stupidly as well, because I thought I had all this underlying strength from the hike, but mm. I still kept getting injured mm. because I didn't have the right running form. Um, I wasn't running in school, uh, that, like that was my sport. So mm. I knew I could run, but 12 years of basically not doing any sports since high school or 10 years, yeah. not doing anything, just <laughs> studying and partying and yeah. Working Auditing. basically, <laughs> obviously, obviously messes with the biomechanics a little bit. Sure, so I had to work through a lot of injuries and kind of just niggles all the time, constantly niggled. It, it's like the most frustrating thing about running. It's all you want to do is get out there mm. and see these beautiful places and, and experience the feeling of exercise basically, and then you can't do it because your body just won't play ball. Yeah, and and then. That, like that was a really frustrating part of running, but I'd I'd like bash my way through it anyway, and and eventually eventually ran a hundred k race UTCT one hundred. Okay. And I really enjoyed that. That was like the best singular. That was the singular best sporting day of my life. Like I absolutely just loved that race. There's there's such a vibe around it. Yeah. It shows Cape Town off very nicely. I wasn't living here at the time. Obviously, I've only yeah. lived here now for the last six months, but. So that's that's a trail run in basically in the city center. Like you do Lion's Head, Devil's Peak, McClear's Beacon. You like run all the way along the mountain, right? I mean, yeah, that's well, the you got a Platycliff, a Platycliff, yeah, uh, and all the way across Table Mountain down into Lundana, over yeah. the side of the peak to Half Bay, and back through the Green Belts. That's such to, a crazy route. Yeah, so hundred k's. So it's a, it's a lot of elevation gain as well, as well. It's about yeah. two and a half thousand meters. That's a, I mean, that's a, that's a very, very impressive ride, let alone a run. Like that is absolutely ridiculous doing. Yeah. I mean, the August I think is like a thousand 
Isn't it? I think the Argus is like 1,200 meters or something of climbing. Oh, I, I, I'm which is wild. I'm yet to do an Argus. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I think I think it's like it's insane. It pales in comparison, dude. It's it's really such a phenomenal thing. Um, so when did you start riding then? So after that UTCT, the, in the February thereafter, I've got a group of mates in Paul that um, twisted my arm into doing. Uh, Karoo Burn, that 250k uh, yeah. race from Calfinia to yeah. Ceres, basically on the R355. Yeah. We're going to get into the R355 later. <laughs> I've got some dark stories about the R355 now. <laughs> and anyway, so I did that I did that ride with them as a group. But you were, but that's where we met. Or did you, was that the year? No, that was the, the first the, iteration of the race when it started oh, okay. at 10 o'clock in the morning. And there was that oh, okay. pumping headwind all day. Yeah. Okay, so that was the previous year. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So that was very, it was very naive of me to do that. I, I remember doing a warm-up ride the day before with the guys. Then I climbed onto the bike the day of the race and my bum was sore. Mm. So <laughs> I thought like, <laughs> oh, well, I can run for 12 hours. Like, surely I can ride a bicycle that's got gears. Yeah. Um, you know, surely scoff those cyclists, <laughs> you know, runners are real hardcore <laughs> kind of thing. So, but that hurt me badly. I said, I'll never ride a bike again after that. Yet here I am. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's now my favorite sport. So, so we, yeah, lockdown came and I was still injured the whole time with running. And I thought, okay, well, cycling's not bad. I remember I actually hurt mm. that time I did burn so it's, it's you can there's some value that you can extract out of cycling yeah you can get exercise <laughs> <laughs> and and then i yeah then I, I had an old dusty rc 6000 rally that okay once upon a time in school i tried my hand at triathlon yeah and okay. that was lying in the garage and and i pulled that out and wiped the dust off and took yeah. it to a shop and got it going again and perfect I, dude yeah and i started riding that around town and and like, that was, this was in Joburg still, or was this by this time you were here? No, this was when I was in Joburg. So okay, okay. first hard lockdown, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, I was, I was just riding around town. And, and, the, and the roads must have been so nice and quiet because riding in Joburg on its own is like, that's a tough, it's a tough call. A lot of cars, super busy. Yeah. It's a pretty gnarly place to ride a bike. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I always say to people, if you learn how to love a ride, have learn how to love to ride a bike in Joburg, you'll appreciate yeah. riding anywhere. But <laughs> but I mean, actually, so I say that in t- with tongue in cheek, really, because because <laughs> it is lovely if you find the right groups and mm. and you're willing to start super early. Um, the group rides in Joburg start at sometimes quarter to five, mm. most of the times five in the morning, so that you're back home by. Half past six, quarter to seven, and and the, mm. before the traffic comes. Otherwise, it, otherwise it is a little bit sketchy. Yeah. Um, but but lots of enjoyment. The the vibe is actually great for cycling in Joburg. So yeah, and everyone's way friendlier anyway. So it's just the, <laughs> the socially, it's just so much more fun. I think I think everyone I know it's like it's safety and numbers. So mm. so everyone's very keen on you know just yeah latching saying, on latching on come <laughs> ride with us. It's totally cool. So. Yeah. Did you ever do that? Um, what is that? There's a very specific, like a, it's a, it's like a race. Um, it was between the two shops, I think. Uh, engine to engine. Engine to engine. No, yeah. I never, I never did that stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, I was, I was like, I, I rode with a group called Ilovo Coffee Group, ICG. Okay. Yes, they, ICG. 
Uh, there's there's these horror stories of those engine to engine guys that just run red lights and just, yeah, just get caught under buses and stuff. Yeah, so I, I kind of stayed away from that because I'm I'm nervous in traffic and like when it gets hectic, I'll just yeah. If I feel like a group's unsafe, I just exit the group and yeah. say, "Cool, I'm gonna I'm just gonna go on my own here." If it starts yeah. getting a little bit too twitchy, I mean, there's no point in racing down. You know, say Gaborsi, for example, no. at full tilt at no, eight o'clock no. in the morning. <laughs> no, that's that's uh, it's uh, especially if you're riding. I mean, there's so many spots around Cape Town where uh, it, it's just so dangerous. Anyway, like I was riding up uh, Constantia Neck the other day, um, and it was maybe seven thirty in the morning, mm. and it was absolutely hair raising. The number of times like I got pushed into the gutter. Mm. It's like cars don't even see you at it's all. It's scary, yeah. I've only um, ridden up Constantia Lake once, once and done. Like yeah. at that time. I'll go super early in the morning, but mm. that was no, it's, once and done for me. <laughs> dude, it's honestly like it's it's just terrible. It's it's one of the worst things you can do. It just really puts you off riding and like your safety just feels so compromised. It's really mm. it's really awful. Um but well, yeah, those early during rides the, during the week more, but on the yeah, weekends yeah. it's it's I find it's it's okay. And and if you're on the gravel bike, you can actually ride on the little trail next to the exactly. next to the road, which is oh. which is actually not too bad. Yeah. Um, I I enjoy that. There used to be a very cool little. Uh, it's now like, I think, been fenced off. It's because it's actually private land. But there used to be a trail that you could ride from the top of um, Constantia Neck, and then you take it to um, I think the road is called Blue Valley or something. But it's all a gravel road, like completely okay. away from the highway. You go sort of next to, um, uh, there's this uh, Lakalom um, restaurant. And then you just go up like this steep little climb. But then you're completely away. You're like in the forest. It's really beautiful. You come down. Is that Tail Mountain side? side or no, no, this is. Constantia side. Uh, it's, yeah, Hout Bay side. Okay. Yeah. So then you come down and then you can go across into the green belt. Um, and then, so you basically used to be able to ride, and then you can take uh, Reiterplatz up um, by like that sacred Borsi. Uh, okay. You know, that little back road yes, through the estate. Yes. So you could do that whole thing basically without touching the main road, which was super, super cool. But yeah, mm. someone, I don't know, owns that property and uh, they fence no, the right. whole thing off. And well, maybe yeah. if they're listening, we can say, please give a gate to the side. <laughs> yeah, that's all we need. Just a little, just a little through gate or something. Um, Fuck, it would be really amazing. Yeah. That's that's a huge help. Um, yeah, I'm only on the gravel bike as well. I don't have any other bike. So yeah, that's <laughs> it, it. It would be great if there's more gravel in the, the gravel routes in the city. Mm. That's <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, I think uh, I think we can get into the meat of this, dude. Um, so the main reason you're here is because you just uh, were part of this insane, insane race. Uh, called the Rhino Run. So this is the first time this race is happening. Mm. Um, and it's a 2,750-kilometer race from Plet to Vintuk. Yes. Um, and it's divided up basically into two sections, right? The entree, which is uh, the first uh, 10,000 meters of elevation, roughly, in the first 700 Ks, and then the main course, which is from Stellenbosch to Vintuk which is about 17,000 meters of elevation. <laughs> I'm like making sure I'm reading these numbers correctly because it's so ridiculous. And that's the second like 2,000 kilometers of the race. Yes. Um, 
Okay, what are you thinking, dude? What's going through your mind? It's just merely <laughs> putting the caveat. This is a this is a reflections of a failed attempt at doing the whole thing. I, I didn't, unfortunately, finish. But yes, fair I did, enough. I, I was at the start line <laughs> with the intention to finish it. Well, you got pretty damn far, so I I'm I'm like unbelievably impressed. And you came in here like hobbling uh, through the door, and I can just see how much it takes to to ride something like this and to even attempt something like this. So uh, I think for, for sort of like everyone listening as well, it's just such an amazing feat. Um, while we're recording this, the two leaders are still busy riding. They're like 150 odd Ks from, yeah. from the end. So, and they're 15 Ks apart, which is absolutely I, ridiculous. I can't believe it's so close. And like, if, I mean, I, I should be all back in Benki being the South African, but what Abdullah is going through yeah. right now, it's like, <laughs> All it does, it, like his story is just climbing into everyone's hearts as yeah. well because, I mean, he's he's now suddenly the underdog, but he had this massive profile yeah. coming into the race from his road background yeah. um, with the, with the like, darker horsey side of being, never having ridden a gravel bike. But the things he's going through, all the, these guys going through, all of them, like everyone's got such amazing or hectic stories yeah. that it's it's unbelievable. I like, I'll take my hat off to them because... Mm. It is so, so hard out there. And I mean, I don't know if you saw that post yesterday, Abdullah, Abdu, about Abdullah having a mechanical. He lost his... His B-screw. His B-screw, yeah, yeah. In the sand. And, and <laughs> there's a photo of him, of the sand in the aftermath. You can yeah. see a poor guy on his hands and knees and elbows probably looking everywhere for this tiny little screw. Yeah. Digging through the sand. And like, your heart can, can't no, do anything but break. No, that's, that's so ridiculous. Gutting. And and he's doing so well and and so in the race and yeah. I think I think what he ended up doing is he took a little screw off his pedal, so I think one of the plates in the pedal has the same screw. So if you take the plate off, mm. one side of the pedal will be wobbly and squeaky. So then you can only use yeah. the other side of it. I, I'm guessing that's what he did. Some, something along those lines, yeah. But he he properly MacGyvered that that fix up. Just crazy. So bloody determined to carry on, which is. It's amazing to look at, given that I'm, I didn't carry on for yeah. various reasons that we'll get into, and yeah. you know the list of excuses. If you if you spend <laughs> enough time, you can make excuses that are six pages long. But the fact of the matter is, like there was enough to me that stopped me doing it. So yeah. I, I just put myself in those shoes, losing a screw mm. in the middle of the Namib desert in forty degree heat. Yeah, on your hands and knees, digging through that hot sand, looking for. Screw when you haven't slept properly, yeah, for seven, eight days. No, that's it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know if you've seen their hands, yeah, like they're... when they're trying to open packets. Like, have you seen a baby that tries to open packets or, yeah, like bottles of stuff? Like, they just can't. it's completely just like rudimentary, like all the movements are so rudimentary. Yeah. Um, but before we get too stuck in, I kind of just want to get into into your head, like, sure. so this, this. Like on its face, this is an absolutely ridiculous ride and you're riding pretty much the whole route uphill. Um, I think overall it's an uphill gradient. So it's, it's just like a, so I guess the, the endurance bug, as you mentioned, bit you quite early on and it's something that's sort of been part of sort of who you are, I guess, for a very long time. Um, but what made you decide to, to do this, this monster? 
Okay, so this is another story on its own, but I was I was talking. <laughs> Who paid you? <laughs> I, I kept talking about Rhino Run uh, to my to my mate Duncan. I yeah, like, man, I think I think I could I think I could give that a go. I really like I'd love to try something like that. Mm. I mean, ten days of riding. I, I mean, I hiked once for six months straight. So like, ten days easy. Yeah, fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> so so I, like the idea was there, but. I never really ever pulled the trigger on actually entering because, you know, there's there's always so many reasons you can mm. come up with not to enter. It's like you just moved to a new city. You're mm. trying to sell your house in Joburg. You're like yeah. doing so many things. Life life is happening. How on earth can you get ready for and then take the time off to actually do this thing? And to train for it and to yeah, do all the things. Yes, exactly. The whole thing. Yet I kept talking about it and kept talking about it and kept talking about it. So then I think he got so tired of me talking about it the whole time that he, uh, for my birthday, he actually, so there's no entry fee into the race, but you have to donate to the Masaka Cycling Club in Uganda. Um, That's a really nice initiative as well, by the way, getting Ugandans onto bikes. And that's a whole separate story as well. Um, Maybe people should go check it out as well. It's quite cool. Masaka Cycling Club in Uganda. Okay. And anyway, so you make a donation to this cycling club and then you've got an entry to the race, basically. Um, And then on my birthday, I get this email that I've been entered for the Rhino Run and and Duncan sending a message saying, happy birthday. I'm like, oh, shit. Amazing. Now I've got to get ready for this 2,750K ride. How many months out from... Was this like a, at least a year before? No, this was July this year. Of this year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. No way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it, was, it was really shoot from the hip kind of stuff. Yeah. I suppose. But anyway, so now I was committed. Now, mm. now, there's no turning back now. There's no turning back. So, but we had lots of lots of races at UF, so involved in the Cedar mm. um, being one of them. And so there was like a lot of races in the build up to it, which was nice. Um, so yeah, what, what what was the question again? So well, how did I decide it? Yeah, how did you how did you decide no, to, that's to how, take on that's this? That's how piece? I yeah. didn't decide to do it, but yeah. did decide to do it and, <laughs> and committed. Yeah, so thank you, Duncan, for yeah, yeah. You know, good friends will will push you into uncomfortable um, positions because they want to get the best out of you as well. So yeah, I appreciate that as well. That's a it's an amazing yeah. trait to have. No, totally. To that's, extract the best out of the people around you and he's good at that so <laughs> totally no it's one of those things where you you kind of um you're like you always you'll never ask them to do something like that like can, for my birthday can you get me an entrance to this <laughs> race? but like you're low-key hoping maybe you know somewhere in the back of his mind it's like oh, i think i should i think i should get john an entry to this no to this race. that was like <laughs> never never ever because i find with these with these kinds of decisions, just to be honest, it's like you've got to decide to do it yourself mm. as well because um, there's so many different reasons why you'd want to do something like this. It can't, it can't just be because there can't be a single element mm. to it. You can't just like racing your bike. You'll be over racing two days in because yeah. you get a lot of racing done in two days. It can't be over that you just, you know, like, like the scenery because, you know, scenery is not so great after yeah. 18 hours. You just want the bed. You don't want mm. scenery. Anymore. So there's like lots of elements that have to come together. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's the right nudges that, mm. that help, but you've still got to decide that you yeah. want to s- stand on the start line. Um, yeah. And, that, and that's the most daunting part. Um, 
of it is is actually getting to the start line. Yeah. Once once you start, then it's like anything can happen now. Yeah. <laughs> but I think um, before we before we get into sort of the the day by day, and I think there's so many different aspects that we can jump into of the actual race. Um, two two things mainly. How do you go about sort of preparing for for something like this? I mean, you can't like for a for a Cape Town cycle tour, you can do which is a hundred k's. You can do a training ride of a hundred k's or eighty k's, and you know you you can kind of like feel it out. But you can't do a training ride of two thousand k's or a thousand k's or even five hundred k's is 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 a is a crazy thing to to do. Like you know, as a as a training ride, it might be super helpful in in this case, of course, but you know, 2,700 Ks is a completely different beast to any kind of other racing that you're, that mm. you're doing. So in terms of like, oh, there's so many different things here I want to ask, but in terms of, of the preparation for getting yourself, I don't know, do you get yourself in a, in a position where you can actually reliably know that you can ride that far? I, I, no, I, I, well, I, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. I think all you can do is kind of give yourself the best chance. So mm. For me, that meant that meant lots of well, as as much riding as possible, obviously without without it getting in the way of my responsibilities either. Mm. So that's that's kind of tough to balance, to be honest. Mm. You've got to you've got to not be selfish about this stuff either, because mm. it, it is a very slippery slope to to being quite selfish, and and maybe that's what's needed to actually um, finish and dominate these things. Is like that just dogged determinants that you know, everyone else must just get out of my way and I'm, 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 I'm going mm. to do this thing. But I, I, I've got, you know, I've got a, I've got a wife, I've got a job. I can't ne neglect those things. Yeah, there's, to, there's a real life to you know, that. There's, yeah. there's a real life. And <laughs> as much as I want to do these things, I've got to, I've got to balance the things that really matter as well. And um, so basically getting ready for me would be um, just riding as much as possible during the week but not too much because the weekends would then be big. So mm. I'd try Saturdays, Sundays, have really big rides, and then Monday... So what are you doing, like, in a, in a week? How many how many Ks or hours I, I, is it I'd try and get, guess? in the lead up, I'd be trying to get at least 15 hours a week of riding time, but... Yeah. Or the, I, I actually only hit that number a couple of times, but that was the goal. Yeah. But <laughs> at, least, at least 10 to 12, but... I was doing a lot of stuff as well that's like not on Strava, like a mm. few little runs and, and quite a bit of hiking and stuff like that. So I do my five, six hour ride and then and then get home and there's no chance of me getting home and saying to Brian, I'm putting my feet up now and, no, and no. staying on the couch, you know, <laughs> bring me a smoothie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting ready for a race kind of thing. You've got to, you know, there's, there's the dogs to walk, yeah, which, yeah, is, yeah. which is nice. Um, there's still there's, there's chore, the chores to do. So. <laughs> Even after the big ride, I'd I'd try and I try and make sure that I don't sit down or kind of relax the rest of the day. Just keep active, mm. whatever, going hiking or walking or um, anything that's on your feet. Kind of just getting used to being busy the whole day because you know with this with this big thing, you're not you're not in. Intense. You're not supposed to be intense. I'll get about mm. into that, but uh, you're not supposed to be too intense while you're doing it. So it's it kind of simulates it, but while including other aspects of your life. Um, yeah. So Monday through Friday, I I try and get a few morning rides in. Oh, and also 
I, I figured out quite a clever hack that's 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 really nice actually is the evening ride the late night okay. ride so a lot uh, a few times um duncan and i would go would go on like a wednesday night and we'd start riding at hopper six yeah with a goal to ride for three three and a half hours and only get back at nine hoppers nine but then you're still in bed at hoppers 10 yeah you can still wake up and have a normal day or even a ride again the next morning Mm. and it feels way less in the way the night the night ride Mm. and the roads are quiet yeah that's like really really quiet at night especially when you go towards sacred borsi and up chappies it's really special the night ride and like the city is actually I've never, I've never felt unsafe yeah. doing that route at night. So um, I'm now a big advocate for the, for for the, the night, night ride. ride because you can get all of your stuff done during the day yeah. and, and then go out when you're already a little bit tired mm. and then get used to riding your bike in like just in a general tired state, not in yeah. a fatigue state, just in a... Yeah, just kind of like, okay, I've had a day, yeah. but let me put myself on the bike and just kind of push through a couple hours and yeah. see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it, it's such a wild thing to prepare for. I guess, like, it's it's such a it's also such a rare thing. Like, I guess there aren't many studies and sort of programs to go off for training something like this, uh, for training for something like this, because it's just such a small number of people in the world who who firstly can uh, accomplish these kinds of things. And yeah, it must just be. Like there's, I guess there's, there's sort of a general direction of things that you can try and do. Um, but it must be such an impossible, like it's actually an impossible task to prepare for this kind of thing, I guess, until you actually do the race, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, there, there's, there's things that you can do again to give yourself the best chance. And a lot of them I didn't do. I know some of the other guys were doing sauna training and, you know, yeah. proper heat training and, and gym work and like just being strong in general. But mm. if there's certain things I'm going to pick to do, I have to pick riding the bike because I don't, I, I, I don't have a sauna yeah. <laughs> to sit in <laughs> or a gym membership anymore. Those, those things those all were cancelled in lo- lockdown. Right? <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, I, it's not that. And that's the physical side of it. Mm. You say, but getting ready for it is, I think it's more of a mental game. Like really, really trying to visualize and internalize that I am going to ride 275 to 300 Ks a day for 10 days in a row and getting really comfortable with that idea and, yeah. and trying to get, well, for me at least, I, I can't speak for the other guys. I don't know. I'd love to pick their brains as well. Yeah. The guys that are still out there and really hitting it at the front. That would be. I mean, I, I just saw now there's a guy who's still in the Cedarburg. Um, he's 71 years old. And, 71. And he's, he's still in the Cedarburg. Is that Tim? I think it's I think it's term, yeah. It's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Like it's, that is a different kind of mental yeah. I don't know, fortitude. That's that's completely insane. Oh dude. man, and Cedarburg is the Cedarburg will break you. It's, it's brutal. <laughs> so so, <laughs> so it, it is that mental side of things. And there's mm. like there's mental giants out there. There's I don't know if you know that guy Jennings, but he's done he's a South African and he's mm. local here, but he's done some really cool races around the world. Um, I think he's done Atlas Mountain Race. He's done Silk okay. Road Mountain Race. Really hell of an interesting guy. Um, I was lucky enough to sit on a, on the shuttle bus up to Plet with with some of like 
heroes in this yeah. sport. Sophie and Sahili, he's like yeah, yeah, he, he's the guy who wins all these. Yeah, like, he wins all of these things. The, the lineup was just insane. Yeah, like and Josh Ibert was in the bus, and another Austrian guy, Max Riese, um, this other Romanian guy, Lithuanian, uh, I think it's Romanian, Bugaloy. He's I think he came second or third at Silk Road Mountain Race yeah. this year, and Guy Jennings there. Crazy um, and and so and guy knows all of them so he's he's been around the world and he's got such magnificent insights into these things too mm. so it's it really it really does become more than just a ride mm. these things these people know each other and they, like it's a special yeah it's a special bond yeah so you could even see um just following some of the stories uh, on Instagram um just kind of seeing the the like relationship that. Benki, because Benki's been in the front, uh, Kevin Benkenstein's been in the front, um, and then Abdullah kind of behind him. But they, they, there's been like no animosity between the two. Mm-hmm. Not that we can see, at least from from the social media. But like they, especially Abdullah, he's just so like level and calm. And uh, there was even this this thing that happened. I think it was like a day or two ago now. But he, this is what we were talking about: the screw that he lost. And he was just standing there. There was this like, yeah. I'm just trying to find the screw. I don't know where the thing is. And he's just like, I would have been losing everything. Like, <laughs> that is completely mind-blowing to me. I know. I know. And meanwhile, all of us watching, I just want to like burst into tears for the guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's unreal, dude. Yeah. Um, okay, so so now, like, I guess you've you've done sort of the training that, that you can do. Um, from, a, from a technical perspective, you have to obviously... Um, know what to pack for something like this yeah um and that must be such a complicated thing because you have mm-hmm. this huge weight toss-up i guess between weight um mm-hmm. and then everything that you need to actually take you on the journey uh, for as long as possible because you mm-hmm. want to optimize the number of hours that you're sleeping you want to optimize the number of uh, or the amount of food that you're getting in um how much water you're taking with like there's sections of road that are hundreds of k's i'm guessing Mm. Um, where there's no access to water, um, especially through Namibia. I mean, that's it's it's properly a desert. <laughs> um, and so, from a technical aspect, um, I think I'd like to get into your bike as well. Actually, uh, <laughs> your old bike. <laughs> yeah. uh, small caveat Bernie, there. I bought Bernie's bike. Is, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess like I see a couple of the dudes running mechanical setups. Um, a couple of the dudes running uh, electric ETAP or GRX uh, DI2 setups. Um, so what kind of thinking, I guess, from from that sort of technical, the actual practical bike setup and what you're wearing, what you're taking with? I mean, Benke's been in the same jersey and bibs this whole time, I think. Yes. <laughs> Looks pretty brutal. Yes. Um, but yeah, dude, what, what goes into that sort of process? What are you What are you thinking about? I guess there must be... A lot of articles and stuff about this and and that kind of thing, but yeah, what, what was it for it's, you? It's a that's a deep rabbit hole. Mm. It's a, it's like a it's another sport on its own, and like you can spend you can spend an entire weekend just looking at wheels, <laughs> just mm. just trying to decide on what the right wheels are, and like weighing up every single variable. Tire widths. Tire widths. Like, what am I? What conditions am I going to be riding in? Mm. Like, can I use this wheel in my day to day life? I still want to ride with mates every now and then mm. and, and not get dropped all the time either <laughs> so it's been quite interesting actually seeing the different setups that 
because Banky's been running uh, 2.4 inch mountain bike tires on yeah, his on his curve. Move, yeah. And Abdullah's been riding like a gra- like gravel tires. I, I think, think he's I'm, had 48s on the whole way. Yeah, it's just again why he's so hardcore. That's freaking <laughs> gnarly, man. I mean, that corrugation must be. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's absolutely crazy because both of them, I guess, have their their positives and their negatives. Yeah. Um. But I'm assuming yeah. over a race like this, I'd I'd also I'd go wider. Yeah, Abdullah's <laughs> Abdullah's every time Banky's been ahead of him, Abdullah's managed to pull in some serious. Um, distance or put ahead some serious distance on any of the significant tar sections or the really mm. smooth gravel sections so I think that's also part of the reason why it might be so close other than them both being mental giants obviously yeah. um, the the different choices in bike is also mm. making it quite close um, yeah so from a technical perspective I saw so many different setups there guys with mm. love forks there were there was a there was some hardtails that I know Max Reese, the Austrian guy, was on a Cervelo hardtail. Um, there was there was and then he's he's running flat bars on that or like a no, a very wide bars, yeah wide flat bars um, and a, thick tires and some TT bars. Uh, yes, yes. Everyone everyone except the Ugandan guys there had TT bars. Okay, so. Those Ugandans are also quite tough. Yeah. <laughs> Without TT bars, I can't imagine what their what their hands are doing right now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so technically there was lots of choices, and that almost makes you more apprehensive about your own choice mm. when you're standing on the start line. It's like, do I have wide enough tires? Am I is my is my setup right? Like it's the classic like at the start in the start blocks, you're pinching everyone's tires, and you're like, ooh, ooh, exactly. Ooh. exactly. Are you gonna ride them that soft? Hey, yeah. ooh, that hard, ooh. <laughs> but, but eventually I settled on um well my my three T obviously my my gravel bike uh with six fifty B wheels. I've got those South Industries mm-hmm. um six fifty so, wheels, I think they're in the Enduros. Um So it's actually a mountain bike. No, wheel. it is the, I think it is the gravel one specific, but okay. it's got it's not as wide internal width as the as the mountain bike specific one. Okay. Um but it's same kind of depth mm. um but my my tires the donnelly explorer 50s sit quite fat on them uh, not fat like there's not too much of a bulge oh okay which i like i'm yeah. the idea of a bulge makes me think i'm gonna get a sidewalk <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know maybe i'm quite totally wrong there but anyway the the tires were running like i was actually happy with them at the okay. end of the day they were fantastic they've got this nice smooth line so that's a, a 50 mil so that's a that's two inches that's basically. Two inch, it's a yeah. two inch tire. Yeah. Okay. I uh, if if I had to redo it now or get get to start line again, I would do I would do two point fours. I think three T can mm-hmm. take up to two point four, on and on the six fifty B. Yeah, I can so I can yeah. take nice wide. I would have, I would have done that definitely given the way my my, my ass is right now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, like another thing I might have changed, but um, so I had on. A, a, a suspension no, I didn't have I didn't have a suspension stem and I didn't have mm. any suspension seat post I might switch that out mm. in the future a lot of guys had had those so that was one of the things I was looking at the start line it's like, goodness almost everyone here has got some form of suspension even if it's a really small suspension on the handlebar it's just that little bit of just just yeah, a exactly. bit of lenience that you that you need I yeah, guess especially on the long days mm. like when we're doing our speedier races that you know it doesn't matter that much you in the saddle for what max 10 hours yeah 
or, or whatever the case is. And so that was that was one of the things. But I've got I've also got electronic gears. Mm. Um, I remember on Sedgefield five hundred, I, I had a mechanical setup, and by the end of the race, I was literally using my right hand, leaning across my handlebar to pull my to okay. pull my lever so I could change into the big ring. So because your because your hands were so wrecked. Yeah, your and hands, that's just five hundred k's. Yeah, and that's just the five hundred k race. So Dude, it was wild. no no. TT bar, but also on 42C tires, yeah. probably over pumped. Um, and that wrecked my hands so much that I had to yeah. do that. Um, and it takes so much energy. I know this sounds funny to change gears on a mechanical setup yeah. when you're so tired, for me at least, um, that I thought, you know, DI2 is just, you're just clicking yeah. a button. And, and like that, that's really valuable yeah. to and, me. In that. And the battery life, that's fine for a ride like this. Eh? It, it lasts. I did take my battery with. Um, okay. The DI2 can last, I think, about 120 hours, but this was going to take longer. So I would have had yeah. to maybe charge it once. Yeah. So I had to carry the little <clears throat> charger yeah. lock with me, but it's. I guess you're okay. you're carrying that with for, like your computer, your phone, anyway. Like you're probably you probably have a couple power packs with you. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. had a, a 30,000 milliampere power pack. Um, okay. And then a 10,000. So I didn't want to get. Yeah, stuck. you're loaded. <laughs> yeah. I had that. I didn't even use the 30,000 milliampere pack once because every time I'd pull into a guest house or a mm. or a place to just take a little bit of a break, I'd pull out my electronics pouch and just plug everything in, into a plug. I took all the plugs with me. Yeah. So I'd have to faff and think about that. Um so so I was I was good on the charging, but the Namibia section, like everything was catering for the Namibia section from a technical mm. point. Um I, I took enough capacity to carry about eight liters of water. Okay. So between hydration vests with extra bladders and soft flasks with mm. um, in the in the hydration vest as well, and then three bottles on the bike. Um, I was going to be good for about eight liters, um, and then using the cycling jersey obviously as pockets. Yeah, for some more water. But um, that w- that was a big worry. I was getting to the Namibia this section and and seeing what those guys are going through now and yeah. and how hectic it is. It's like I I think now I would make provision that you need to take at least 10 liters it's hectic so Jesus, yeah, it's wild. yeah i saw that i don't know if you saw that live feed this morning yeah yeah i was watching that and like he, i think he bought like over 10 liters of water yeah and it's shame he, crazy. he was sitting there and he um he took his sock off in that in that video and you could see him just like rubbing voltaren gel or something on their onica Nice. And his his Achilles heel was just, or his Achilles tendon was just swollen up, like looked like a golf, like a rugby ball, just yeah. sat like in his ankle. Yeah, <laughs> it that's so... crazy. He says because he says he can't feel it anymore. Which is... uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a terrible, terrible mm. thing. That's a terrible thing, <laughs> I think, because it's like oh my god. In a podcast before the race, I was listening. It's uh, I was listening to a podcast that Abdullah was on actually with okay. with Jesse Carlson. They the the curve guys. Yeah. And uh, Abdullah made a, a reference to, you know, with these things you go in and you, it's, it's like going to the bank and saying, I want an, I want an extra mortgage or extra bond on my house. Uh, give me the bond now. And the bank's like, well, this is quite risky. You shouldn't yeah. be doing this. I'm going to charge you 25% <laughs> interest. And you're like, I don't care. Give it to me now without thinking about the consequences of what's going to happen. Mm. And, and this is one of them. <laughs> like, you you hide these injuries away. You just cycle them, mm. cycle through them. For me now, it's my it's my knee. This is the yeah. This is the interest I'm paying. <laughs> <laughs> it's my 
totally blown knee that's yeah. making me straight leg it up yeah yeah um, so <laughs> so uh, yeah i think you get into you get into this mindset that it's like if it's just if it's just physical like i could maybe w- work through it if it's not too many physical things mm. um obviously it's, that's not an like advice don't yeah <laughs> yeah don't push through anything in the detriment of your health that's the most important thing and ultimately maybe why I I didn't manage to pull through is mm. like a little bit worried about the health at the end of the day. Um, all the excuses will come. But <laughs> it's, it's 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 hectic what you what you can do and what I'm seeing these guys doing like just my little bit of personal experience in the matter is like the first two days my knee was also completely blown up. I, I think it was I wasn't really used to the TT bars yet mm. as, as much as I should have been. And, and a heavy bike and all the climbing mm. um, and all of that. So my, my knee just went. I just kept saying, it'll stop hurting, it'll stop hurting. And then it did stop hurting. It really did stop hurting, which was unbelievable. I, didn't, I couldn't really, like, believe. Really well, that's believe. almost terrifying. Yeah, it's like how, like, how can you be hurting so much? And, like, it's all you can think about for two days, pretty much. Yeah. And then it just goes away. And you haven't done, you've kept doing the thing that made it... <sighs> hurt in the first place yeah it's not good <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, okay so talk me through it dude let's 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 dive in so you're at the start line let's go okay so jeepers day one yeah we rolled off um we we had a seven kilometer neutral zone to chat to some of the guys and just mix um lovely yeah, as if it's actually really... 2,750 is not enough. <laughs> yeah, so we, we were all chatting and, and lucky enough, I was I was next to Abdullah in uh, on the highway. I think it's a, is it the N7? There you go, first possible. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. I was chatting next to him and and like super nice guy as well. And like he, just getting... He, I didn't know this actually about him, but about his 24-hour world record, I heard about mm. it on the podcast i was asking him a bit about that and like he's so humble about it when talking about it he just says no it's, it's not as much as you think it's just you're very trained in that position and you get used to putting that exact amount of power out and yeah. it's like okay yes but you still rode over 900 k's in 24 hours like yeah that is ridiculous giant riding next to me <laughs> i'm like what the hell am i doing here so that was a little sobering yeah that, and I mean, Sophie's Healy is right there. Josh Ibbett is right there. The Ugandan guys who apparently are t- ranked top 100 in Zwift, which means they, yeah, in the world, um, ranked top 100, which means they're obviously very fit and strong. Whether or not they can do an ultra is, yeah. is another. No, they're incredible cyclists. Yeah. Yeah. Like as racing cyclists, like real racing yeah. cyclists, not ultra nutters, they proper strong. I mean, you got Sarah Hammond there. She won race. The, she beat Banky at Race to the Rock in 2017. Like, yeah, that's like wild. Just, she's is she the she's from Australia. She's from Australia. Right? Yeah. yeah, she's part of the Curve family. Yeah, company. I, I think she. I think she does work for the company. Okay. Um. Yeah. So there's all these 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 really big names around me, and I'm like, oh my goodness, uh, Jimmy Ashby being one of them as well. Yeah. He he cycled forty thousand k's around the world when he was eighteen, and, and then like just these guys that got this crazy experience. Steve Halligan, I think he's in third at the moment as mm-hmm. well. He, um, I've I've gone and looked. I didn't know this before, but I've gone and looked like because he's proper strong, and I saw he came second at Silk Mountain 
yeah Silk Road mountain race this year behind the one and only Sophie N. yeah so I thought I like rolling out there I thought holy smokes I'm like I'm in the all-star field here right I don't know what I'm doing basically um in these <laughs> well it felt like that in the moment yeah. it's like just you you know it's like your first day at high school <laughs> <laughs> you feel very, very, very yeah. small, you know. Very out of your place. <laughs> yeah. And um, so anyway, we get to the end of the 7K um, neutral zone. I'm not going to go into such excruciating detail. No, no, it's cool. Step, but, <laughs> but, and, and a bunch of guys just shoot off. Go. Bang. Like, like full on just racing. No, well, like in the TT bars, head down, going, yeah. putting out power. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is this is like... Guys, we've got 2,750 Ks here. Yeah. Like, how can you shoot Take off that quickly? Yeah. Um, but Benki and Abdullah were immediately in their front. I think from when the flag dropped, basically, flag, yeah. commas, they were in the front. And they've been in the front, basically, since k- kilometer number eight. Yeah. Which is just that unbelievable. Is and they, like, ridiculous. haven't faded. But anyway, a lot, of, a lot of people went off. I hung back a little bit. I was chatting chatting to some guys and Ryan Flynn mm. chatting to him, having a good chat and just, just riding the first 20, 30 Ks as the day went on though, I was, I was feeling like kind of, I don't know, impatient kind of, mm. I needed to be efficient. I, my goal was I needed to do the thing in, in 10 days. Um, which was also another thing that made me panic because listening to all the other competitors apparently that was very audacious like so i I, then i ended up just saying like no i'm gonna do it in 12 because i was like i didn't want to claim i was doing it in 10 when they were saying the winner was going to do it in nine and a half yeah 10 days it's like holy smokes like that's not going to be me yeah so like i must be wrong here but i i had done my judgment i thought the winner would do this in eight days and okay. maybe even under, and now I'm glad because that is what's yeah. busy happening That's right now. <laughs> so happening so right I thought now. two days after the winner <laughs> seems like a reasonable time. I mean, that's 48 hours mm. after after the front guys. Um, and so I knew I wanted to get to, to Carlitz Dorp that day. I wanted to use the foster gravel sections of the Western Cape. It's a little bit smoother, mm. even though it's very hilly. Um, I'd climb any day of the week over dealing with thick sand and, and corrugations. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you there, yeah. 100%. We also had, we're lucky to have a, a stonking tailwind from mm. the top of Montague Pass. So so first day goes from Plett via Seven Passes Road mm. through George over Montague um, Pass and then towards Oatswaran. And from Montague Pass to Oatswaran was just a shunting tailwind. We... People, everyone was just like utilizing the tail mm. and being as efficient as possible, just not stopping. You didn't mm. need to, if you're filled up at the top of Montague Pass, just to get all the way to Oatswaran. And by the time I got to o- Oatswaran, I was, I was kind of intense at that stage. And, and maybe I shouldn't have been in this intense because I didn't need to be. My goal was to get mm. to Carlos Dorp, not to, not to race the other guys, but I stupidly checked the track and I was like, hang on, I'm right. I'm right up here. I'm like... Yeah, because you, you were coming fourth or third even, I think, yeah, at I was, some stage. I, I was a third third one into Carlitz Door. Yeah. Um, just ahead of Jimmy and I think Stephen Lane. Yeah. Um, things were looking very good. Yeah, things were looking good <laughs> and I was feeling good. Hey? Like yeah. I was I was in the zone and I was really thinking, okay, this is, this is, this is going weirdly well. Mm. Um, 
What? How many Ks are you in now? That was that was two hundred ninety nine oh. from oh, nice. on the first day okay. exactly. So to Karlsdorp, I pulled into a guest house there uh, that I booked during the day. I managed to make a call while I was in George. Found first guest house. Oh nice! That I called that had availability. Yeah. I said, cool, I'm going to get to Karlsdorp, knowing that there was a tailwind at the top as well. Um, I was like even more determined just to get yeah. to Karlsdorp. And then the, maybe this is a mistake, but I thought, okay, the quicker I get to Karlsdorp, the more I can rest. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. so then it's like just actually silly and maybe a mistake in hindsight. Mm. But um, I got to Karlsdorp quickly. Then I budgeted for like five hours of sleep, which is a lot. Um, okay. What time did you, did you get there? At about eight thirty in, in the evening. evening. Yeah, okay. I'd I'd bought Steers burgers in Oteren. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, to <laughs> eat for dinner when I rolled into the guest house. But what you don't realize about a Steers burger, it's so saucy. Yeah. That rattling around in your frame bag. By the time I got to Carlitz Dorp and I and I pulled out my dinner, basically just every, everywhere. Everything had gone like exploded in the pack so oh, everything no, <laughs> everything in my frame bag was just covered in steer sauce oh, and it's, that smell like it's oh, very it's specific still, it still smells like steer <laughs> sauce I was, it's it's great like when you want steers but afterwards like i'm very I'm done with don't that don't think smell. i'm ever eating steers again <laughs> mate. Like, I'm so turned off now and then i there's one burger that was still in like semi-okay condition but it was so soggy and i was like i can't not eat anything so yeah I'm sitting at this guest house, chomping down a soggy steers burger and taking a sip of water with every bite just so I could just get it down. <laughs> Got to get the calories in. Yeah, you can't, can't skip a meal, really. Um, so anyway, yeah, I went to, I went to bed after that and, and set my alarm for about 2 a.m. to get going again. Um, and at that stage, actually, Benki was in the same guest house as me. The, the guest house owner said, yeah, your friend Kevin is oh, here. Yeah. I was like... Oh no, no ways! Like I've definitely overcooked really it today. He wasn't here. No, because it's like <laughs> if I'm where he is, then I've done something terribly wrong. Because yeah. it's he's like uh, my strategy is like I'm definitely gone too hard then. Mm. But regardless of that, I woke up the next morning. I was actually still feeling. I was still feeling fine. Like I was. I was keen for the day. Mm. Got going. I rolled out of there about three a.m. to to get get rid of Royberg Roy Pass. Mm. Um, and and cruise along there, uh, all the way to the next stop would be Great and via Riversdale and Swellendam. Mm. Um, so lots of lots of tar that day, lots of smooth gravel, but also quite a bit of headwind. Um, I, I rode with Sophie in a little bit that day, which was very cool to just pick his mind a little bit. Yeah, and just, and just chat because he, he's quite an interesting character. Like I, I've spent some time on on like researching him as well yeah. he's quite a he's quite a quite an interesting guy he he must have a lot of interesting yeah no he's, things to say he's he's yeah just and just what it takes to to do these things it's mm. like it, it, I, I realize more and more it's just mental as my well of course he's doing the twenty five thousand k's a year on the bicycle but how you have to be in this comfortable mental space mm. really then he was saying to me that he's just going to fast tour it because He's kind of overcooked it from the racing this year. I mean, he's done some big. He's won pretty much everything he's done this yeah. year. And like, if you go into his Instagram bio, it's yeah. just like gold, 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 gold. Exactly, and <laughs> and you realize, okay, these these heroes are also just human. Like, yeah, you can only do so much. And 
but regardless of that, even his consistency throughout the I think he's what fourth now. <laughs> yeah, I think he's uh, he's seventh at the moment. Actually, okay. I'm looking okay. at his, but he's tied with Max Reese and uh, yeah, Paul Cato is a little like a hundred k's ahead of them. Okay, but yeah, he's coming in at seventh at the moment. Okay, yeah, yeah but he's still gonna get it in ten days. Oh yeah, which is, that's insane, so, dude. <laughs> so he's yeah. So it was really nice riding with him a little bit. We we're just. We're basically, but we we're talking more about just the the scenery and like the riding and all of that. Even yeah. though I was like, I wanted to get more into it. It's like, how much can you take really yeah. from this guy? And uh, so yeah, that day was that was that day was a, a fun day actually. I, I started feeling tired by the mm. end of the day for sure, um, but all those little micro frustrations started on okay. day two. Those little. Those your fingers things. smell like steers. Yeah, those, those <laughs> little things that you don't you don't budget for in your training because okay. they don't happen to you when you're training. So, you know? so what what were some of those micro? It's like, it's like your contact lenses. Your, oh, your dude, own. this is what I was thinking because I also wear contact yeah. lenses. Like how, and I was taking them out last night, and I was like, frick, how do dudes deal with the? Oh, so you also wear oh, contact lenses. God. Yeah, so I, I had my whole bag of contact lenses. I took 15 sets of contact lenses. It takes a surprising <laughs> amount of space in your pack yeah. as well. But um, you like, just take they're a bunch just of so sticky because my, my eyes were obviously taking knocks from the, um, from the dust. I, I didn't yeah. have the best glasses at the start. Like I lost my arms, my glasses, my, my proper riding glasses mm. a couple of weeks out before the race. And I just, I just didn't get around to finding yeah. new ones basically so i took these old um old glasses that didn't really fit my head and they don't block the yeah. wind as much as they should so my eyes were bloodshot red and it didn't matter how much eye drops i took eye drops with me yeah that's a good in. move and it was just it, that was that was one of the marks so you're like okay then you're dealing with that then i'm literally working from the head down now the top down <laughs> next <laughs> one the next one was I'd, I was drinking my, my pipe was on my, for my hydration vest was on my left shoulder. Okay. And so I would, I would look towards my left and pull my mouth down and get to my pipe and drink. But doing that, I'd like kind of tweak the muscle in my neck. Oh my God. So I couldn't, I, I couldn't do that anymore. So I had to pull the pipe to me every, every yeah. time. Which, which takes, it's the same as shifting the gear lever. Like well, it takes it's just, a surprising it's just amount a of... thing that you've got to do because you've got to, you've got to now find the pipe with your, yeah. your fingers that are already starting to go a little bit numb. Mm. Um, things are, things are going south. Well, well, it's just, yeah, it's just these little micro frustrations that yeah. are in isolation. None of them make a difference, right. but compound... <laughs> Not being able to see with fingers that don't work, yeah. trying to find your pipe to drink water that's then not coming out of the pipe because the, the the pipe's kinked or something. Yeah. So you've got to loosen that as well. Oh like it's just it's <laughs> and then and then yeah, okay, so we're working down all of the some of the other micro frustrations. Oh, oh, this is this is a funny one. So you open and close your pack so much that your nail beds on your fingers start chafing open. So it starts getting sore oh, just to goodness. open your your bike bags. No. Like it's, I promise you, it's crazy. This is wild. So, <laughs> so then you, so I had plasters. So I started taping up my fingers. So you can check my little fingers still yeah, cut yeah. there, just from the zips of the of the bike bags. Oh like, no! I can't it. So it's like then you start thinking, okay, well I don't want this. That's getting really uncomfortable. These things are going to be rubbed raw by the time I get to Namibia. So yeah. And then you're opening it just with your pinky. 
Because this is like what five hundred k's in. You're you're roundabout buffles yach srafir buffle yach srafir. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah. I know Grayton was at six fourteen. So okay. Anywhere between just just before Grayton. Um, yeah. Yeah, and okay, that's unreal. Yeah, so like, and then, and then, <laughs> oh, the other micro frustration I had was my my pack on day one. Within the first forty k's, the Velcro just gave way on my saddlebag so the cinch down straps on the yeah. side i couldn't i couldn't cinch it down so the thing was swaying everywhere and the pack started opening oh no so i had to make a plan to sort of i, I tied knots in it yeah and then and the did the best i could with with knots on the pack but it wasn't perfect so the thing was swaying all the time and what that did was because if i like eating on the bike you using yeah. no hands but i'm not used to <laughs> riding with no hands, with a pack that's swaying in the back. Yeah. So you've got this pendulum at the back of you that's swaying. Oh, no. That every time you try and ride no hands, it's just yeah. swaying the bike um, to and fro. And it's like, oh my word. And now, now I can't, I can't <laughs> like, you're trying extra hard to balance yourself. It's, yeah. it's actually quite comical, but you deal with these things and you like, oh, I, was, I ended up like kind of laughing about it as well because it's like, oh my word, like, what else? What else? Like yeah. the, the, the welcome to ultra, right? Like yeah. you, the, they say you can have a plan, but until you get punched in the face, and it's these little micro things that mm. actually actually bother you the most. Mm. Um, earphones getting wrapped into your helmet that you can't find the head of your earphone. And you really yeah. want music? That's like that's frustrating, <laughs> man. <laughs> that's next level. <laughs> yeah. Fishing your fishing your sunblock out of your pack when you can't find like. Not finding things. It's yeah. Because like, you're doing a lot of riding at yeah. night, right? Yeah. So you're, you're basically blind trying to feel your way through all the zips and your fingers can't feel. Exactly. And they're cut open and it just, just yeah. sounds freaking awful. No, it's, it's yeah, it's, but it's, you, you kind of get into, well, you, you learn to deal with it because it's like, oh, no, there's no ways I'm going to let these things get to me because they actually trivial. Mm. Um, but you still like kind of have that two seconds of being like mad at yourself, mm. like thinking why, why are these happening? It's yeah. Like, but it's it's and it's not important even like, but it's still frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So like those are the micro frustrations, but um. Eventually, eventually they just become part of the ride, and mm. like don't feel your fingers anymore. You know exactly where your sunblock is. You managed to tie your pack a little bit tighter when you had a few more moments where you weren't being like hasty like haste yeah. doesn't lead to speed either but then you learn how to tie that down put your sunblock in a better place mm. know that you don't buy steers burgers and put them in your frame back <laughs> they're going to turn too much yeah. <laughs> those kinds of things so you fix them and then they dealt with mm. and that's that's also like those micro micro frustrations have micro solutions. easy yeah. solutions as well and then like yeah. now I'll know that into the next one one day as well. So yeah, it must be amazing. Also, like I guess there's a, I mean, the, I think, dude, the furthest race I've ever done is, or well, not race, but like ride is, furthest race was that Karoo Burn. Yes, two hundred and forty nine k's or something. Yeah. Um, but like you get to a point where things are super frustrating and like okay, cool, you know, <clears throat> my hands are sore, my pipe is kinked or whatever. But then it, it just gets to a point where you're just kind of like on autopilot. What At what point did that... I mean, at this point, you've ridden twice that distance anyway. So you're like 600 mm -hmm. Ks in. At what point does it just become, 
okay, cool, I'm just in the zone. Or do you Ooh, just keep going in and out of that, that kind that of? Ha- that happened to me on at the at the end of day three. Okay. So day three was from Grayton and eventually ended at Cedarburg Oasis. So that was like a, t- a 324k day with a yeah, ton of climbing, like a big chunk. Huge, dude. A big um, chunk through the, like that's Bainscliff Pass, that's the, yeah. that's, that's Pakes, no, that's not Pakes, that's, what, what's that, Kido Pass, I think, coming yeah. out of series. It's Bainscliff Pass. It's that climb out of Grayton, mm. Rusty Grayton, so yeah, going yeah, all the yeah. way back. It's Frontshook Pass. We, we saw, um, we did a race on Sunday, uh, the uh, Boiland 100 Miler, and we saw a bunch of the Ugandan dudes coming down Halswichter. Uh, yes. Um, while we were riding up, and it was like, uh, oh, shit. And I was like, I was really suffering at that stage. And I saw these dudes, and I was like, okay, you know what? Um, I'm going to stop complaining because that's a whole different I saw thing. you guys <laughs> as well. I, I, I saw Reino leading the Reino van Weyden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up the, leading his race. Yeah, and I saw Cole. I think so I was on on I was on Reno's wheel. I was there with. Oh, you? Oh, okay, fantastic. Yeah, he was proper in the zone. I, yeah. I called out for him and tried to say hello, but he, he didn't even hear. He yeah, was, I think he went on to win the race. Right? He did. Yeah, yeah, he did. He smashed it. Shout out to Reno. <laughs> Always, man. And uh, yeah, so, so so that was yeah, just climb out of Rusty Gate in Grayton. That, I mean, that's a seven hundred fifty meter climb. I think. Yeah, if I remember my stats. Um, and that's an ollie climb. That's get off the bike and push in some sections. And then the descent is even worse because the route took took us down like these single tracks, rocky single tracks that you had to get off your bike yeah. and hike a bike down. But it's difficult to hike a bike down because it's so steep that and you're kind of jumping. And your bike weighs like, what, 15? Yeah, about, about almost 15, 20 kilograms. kilograms. Yeah. yeah. And like, so you drop, you drop all the way back down to Tevatuskloof Dam, and then you go yeah. Frontier Pass, Stellenbosch, uh, then you go through yeah. Paul, you go, you go over the Paul Mountain Reserve there, it's climb in itself, Bainscloof, mm-hmm. um, Giro Pass, Opliberg, and then that route through the Cedarburg. Yeah. But I switched on that the night, that third night, um, my strategy going into it was definitely at some point to switch over to predominantly night riding. So to, okay. to sleep out the heat of the day yeah. between 12 and 4 p.m. or 11 a.m. and 3 or 4 p.m. Okay. And then ride through the night. I thought, well, I, I'm not good in the heat, so yeah. I've got to try and avoid the heat. Uh, I haven't done the heat training and all of that. So yeah. I have to, the best chance to stand is to avoid it so mm. first that was the first day that i avoided the heat I, I pulled into calabash bush pub at the bottom of bainscliff pass there um over on the other side towards yeah. series um and i had a few a few castle freeze nice <laughs> so it's, so it's a trick of mine <laughs> just a little something <laughs> yeah no I, I, I like you get so tired of the sugary drinks and stuff i find mm. non-alcoholic beer goes down super well because it's, it's lots of calories and <laughs> so yeah. I, had a, I had a ton of those meal and then I got going for the night session and that's when you're talking about the, the zone you're getting to I really got into the zone that night um I went you're almost not thinking of anything no you're not you thinking. just you just get into like I was on the tri bars yeah get going made it all the way to Cedarburg Oasis and when I got there I saw Josh Ibbett's bike 
Okay. Um, at at Cedarburg Oasis, um, I pulled in at midnight exactly, and and Jacques from Cedarburg Oasis was there to greet me, and I was like, oh my word, this is, <laughs> this is an oasis, like, a legend. I, I was I was going there with the intention to just just pull in. They've got the honesty box system, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Stuff and just and just get a few things, and you know, leave money where I needed to leave the money, and yeah. and maybe catch an hour or two of Z's on the on the couch outside. Yeah. Um, but he was there, and it's like, okay, this is good. Um, let me actually take two hours because um, I've caught Josh Ivert. Um, let me take two hours, go lie in the tent, mm. have a little sleep. But at this point as well, you're trying to be. I was trying to be so quick with my time that I like I slept with my socks and my arm sleeves on because yeah, you know your socks. That's more time to it's more time to take them off and yeah. uh, well not to take them off but to put them on in the morning. And with, with your dumb fingers, with your dumb fingers. <laughs> it's like, so, so sleep with those on, and but this is actually part of the bigger problem of of my race that I that I realized in hindsight was the biggest mistakes that I was making was kind of racing other people. Mm. Um, I didn't go there not to race or not to push myself as hard as I, I can, but yeah. I very quickly fell into the trap of worrying about where other guys were. Okay, um, and that's a valuable lesson I've learned now is that don't do that. Well, for me at least, some people thrive off mm. of that. For me, it it didn't work because. Maybe I pushed it a little bit too hard the mm. hour or two here and there where I needed to actually just have the recovery time that could have potentially been the the right amount of recovery time that didn't lead to the things that led to my downfall. Yeah. But um, definitely a mistake, I think, mm. is, is being too focused and too intense on the racing element um, of these things. So, so I got in like trying to be as efficient as possible, woke up again at 2 a.m., so I had an hour, 45 minutes sleep, um, and, and then got going again. And then it's that rough, rough section, that 40Ks up to 8K pass. Yeah, that is... End of the Cedar Race. That is the one. It's such a drag, dude. Yeah. It's like 3%, that pretty much that whole section. Yeah, well, and it's going up this time. Yeah. I'm going towards Clan William. Yeah. And, and, but I must say, it's, it's better at night because... With the light shining over the corrugations, it's easier to see. Okay. You can see the shadow of the... Yeah, you can see the cleaner line. Yeah. And anyway, I, I was... Yeah, and, the, and this is where the, like the shit really started because mm. my butt was getting really sore at this point. Like when I was in the tent, um, I, I started feeling the saddle sores and I, like, I dragged my finger over my... Mm. Of your butt. Uh, <laughs> my butt, yeah. <laughs> Those creases over there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh. Things are not. This is not great. That's not normal. <laughs> let, me just, <laughs> let me just hope that this pain also goes away. Um, yeah. So whatever, I'll carry on. It's another micro. Yeah. At, this, at this point, it's a micro inconvenience as well that will just go away. And you're, a th- you're pretty much a thousand Ks in. Yes. At this stage, yes. right? Yeah. So thousand Ks in, saddle saws, first time in my life. Okay. Ever, I've never gotten saddle sores before. Shout out to Vita Bibs. <laughs> the, shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, shameless plug. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and I'd never, got, yeah, I'd never gotten saddle sores before. Yeah. So this was something new to me. But I thought, okay, well, it can only be nerves, right? So if you keep riding, eventually that pain will go away too. Yeah. So uh, but your, your knee is is pretty wrecked at this stage as well. Has gone this, through this process of being very sore. Yeah, the, no, but this no, the knee had actually 
it's it's, it's fine it's now. Fine. It's like uh, now it's going fine. Okay. Um, but I spent a chunk of that time climbing from Cedarburg Oasis all the way to 8K past the yeah. top, out of the saddle, over the corrugations and stuff because it was yeah. just I was still warming up and like it was uncomfortable to sit with the mm. bum being quite sore and yeah, all of that. Um, but anyway, I, I got to the top of Cake Pass. I thought Kay Clan Williams just at the bottom of the pass. Like, why do we think that? We, yeah, like, it's, it's not. How many not times quite. have we done that? It's, <laughs> it's actually still a hectic ride from the bottom of Cake Pass to Clan Williams. Yeah. It's not smooth gravel either. No, no, but, definitely not. Yeah. That whole section past Yamaka, yeah. that little stop that there is in the Cedar as well. Like, that's so... And the, the rollers, dude, oh, are just... But all of the Cedarburg, it's, I think it's the hardest place to ride a bike. Yeah. It's just... Oh man, it's it's the best training. We're lucky to have it. Mm. Like having that local knowledge as well. I was definitely tapping into all the local knowledge I could use. Mm. I mean, you've got it, so try yeah, and might tap as into well. it. Might as well. Um, <laughs> and anyway, then I roll into I rolled into Clan William, and I saw as I was rolling in, I saw all the media crew there, um, and follow, they were following Jimmy Ashby. So I realized, yeah. oh goodness, I'd, overnight I'd gone from ninth. And work my way into third place. Okay. And um, it was a very brief third place because Jimmy, I still need to resupply and he was coming to the end of his resupply. Yeah. So, so I got to the Caltex garage. That was my planned stop. Yes. It says 24 hours a day, but I got there at about copper six twenty to 7 in the morning and the guys wouldn't let me into the store. And no, I was like, no, come on. I'm, I'm, but I'm being in this intense race mode yeah. now as well. Again, wrong. So I was like, come on. Please, eventually I managed to convince the, because the, the cashiers were all there, they're getting ready for their day. Yeah. I managed to convince her to let me go in and just get all the things I need and I'll pay when you, when your till opens. Um, so I got some breakfasty type snacks. Yeah. Um, I didn't get too much at that resupply because I knew my 12 o'clock sleep time was coming and I had an idea of a place I was going to sleep at, at 12 o'clock. And okay. uh, so I, I just tried to be as quick as possible there, but I was I was feeling out of it. The second I sat down, the zone changed a little bit. I was starting to feel a little bit out of it. There was very little sleep in the last thirty six hours. The, there was a photo taken of you here, right? Yes. I think. Is this the the photo where it looks like it looks like you're you have shell shock? Yes. And you're just kind of staring at the pavement. Yes. Your eyes are completely black. Yes. <laughs> like there's a there's also like a, a like a Heineken free or something. I think. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. a terrifying photo. I got, I got some <laughs> terrible looks. Yeah, I can imagine. Because all the farmers and, and all the people <laughs> in Clan William were on their way to work or yeah. school or whatever. There was a cop as well that was getting petrol. And I remember them looking at me thinking, why is this what? guy drinking a beer at 7 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. Non-alcoholic beer, but they didn't just know need that. something. It's like, goodness, I just looked like a... I, to them, I must have looked mad. I don't know. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> and I saw, I saw the photo obviously after the fact, and uh, it's not very pretty. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got onto the bike again. I started riding Pakes Pass, which is also a beast mm. of a of a climb straight out of the Cedarburg. I saw Jimmy in the distance, um, and that's the last I ever saw of Jimmy. Yeah, well, he's still riding. Yes, <laughs> he's, he's still there. So go on, Jimmy, <laughs> and. And uh, I, this is where things started getting, but now my butt started getting like really sore. Mm. Um, any sitting, any sitting would be excruciating on the climb. I'd only sit at this point on downhills and maybe on the flats if I could find a comfortable enough position. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, that, it started getting bad. So I, I started spending the most time climbing out of the saddle, okay. um, which, and that was the case then basically from Cedarburg Oasis all to, to, to Calfinia basically, which is about a 200k section that I was ultimately most of the time actually standing up riding, mm. which is, is just berserk if I think about it now, because I like I hardly ever stand up and ride. And that's pressure on your wrists, that's pressure on your hands, there's pressure you, on everything, everything else as well. Like, yeah, and my, my Achilles blue from yeah. that. So, so it's because obviously you don't stand that much and then now yeah. my Achilles is hectic, uh, hectically sore and swollen um, as well from, from that effort. Yeah. But again, you think, you, you know, dogged determination, think I'll get through this, it's fine. If I stand long enough, my bum will recover mm-hmm. and then I'll be able to sit again and then my Achilles will be fine again and we can, we can carry on with this mm. event. Like the body will adapt basically and eventually on day five or six you'll be able to ride properly again mm. um but it was super hot that day it got okay. really really hot and the suffering really really started um we we were hurting like well, i was hurting big time that day i eventually made it into the Bido valley um which is a valley there at, towards the end of the cedarburg mm. like the northeastern side of the that's cedarburg. like you're transferring into the Karoo yes, area now yeah Karoo now yeah like the hot crew, it's oh man. It was I think I think my Garmin said forty two degrees in. No, it's not good in the valley there. It's not good. <laughs> but I made it to I made it to a point. I made it thirty k short of where I wanted to sleep. But I found a spot and I thought, okay, I'm gonna pull in here. I'm gonna have a meal. I'm gonna have a couple mm. of cool drinks. I'm gonna find a spot to sleep, and I did that. Uh, it was called Enjo Nature Farm or okay. whatever. But they didn't really have rooms ready because. Um, like they're not expecting people. Mm. So the lady very kindly put me into an annexed room at the back of the house that the bed wasn't made up. Like it was just on the mattress basically yeah. with towels. And um, I just said, I'll sleep on anything. Please yeah. just let me have it basically. And you, like, you have okay. no idea what I've been through. Yeah, you have no <laughs> idea. I'll, I'll take any room. She's like, no, but just wait. She said, no, you can have this room. Okay. This is actually, yeah, you can have this room. You just got to wait 45 minutes for us to clean. I was like, don't even worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Please. You don't want to clean it. I'm only going to be there for three, four hours. Yeah. Um, but this room was so hot and there were so many flies and it was uh, just so dude. uncomfortable and it was load shedding. So the fan didn't work and I was just lying basically in this hot box just, and I carried on sweating. Um, I'd, so I'd end up jumping in the shower, climbing back onto the bed, trying to cool down. Eventually I got some ice. I'd put some ice on my chest and my head and yeah all of that to try and cool down it wasn't working i thought well i'm hot anyway let me get up and ride no so now i hadn't sleep slept basically so i missed my strategic sleep yeah. stop you've just irritated yourself yeah now i've now now i'm dealing with something that's mm. like bigger than the other micro problems now i haven't slept mm. basically and so anyway, I get I get on the bike and I and I keep rolling towards the Durning River, which is where that crossing is. I don't know if you've seen the footage, and we uh, like we had to actually ford the river. Yeah, 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 yeah. Carry your bike across. Yeah. But at this crossing, there's a guy Kyle who owns this place. It's like another oasis within the Cedarburg. Okay. I think it's called Yai Yai Yen or Yen Yai Yai. Okay. I think it means peace, peace and love, or or something. But it's like this this pool. Like this, <laughs> At this place, he's built this swimming pool. Okay. And 
I, I don't even think I said hello to the guys. I just literally walked, <laughs> dropped my bike, walked, full kit, fell into the pool. And I just, and it was so nice and cold. Yeah. And exactly what you needed. Exactly what I needed. And I got out. Um, and then I was shivering immediately. Like, like no control of body temperature anymore. I was yeah. in that heat. I was shivering immediately. So <laughs> that was like, a, oh, come on, I wanted this. Now yeah. why am I shivering? <laughs> Um, your body has no idea what the fuck's going on <laughs> no no it's it's in a state of shock but and and this is now this the second biggest mistake i made on the on the route or potentially the biggest because i should have just said to him cool i'll take a bed here and i'm going to sleep not through the night but i'll get my six hours because this was at about five in the afternoon half mm. four in the afternoon i'm going to get my six hours of sleep again and then i'll, I'll start at midnight again mm. But I didn't do that. I, I had a couple of Cokes and I thought to myself, okay, Calfinia is only 80 Ks away. Um, mm. Only in inverted commas. Yeah. I, should be, I should be in Calfinia by latest midnight. I've heard this, the tracks are rough, yeah. but I know the R355 is rideable. I've ridden it before. Might be a little bit rough, but mm. it's fine. You can, you can ride it. You can click over 16, 17 Ks an hour there, maybe even 20. And... Oh Depending on the word. wind, yeah. This, this led to, this led to, the, the most hectic fourteen hours basically for oh me. Oh my god, fourteen hours. Yeah. So so I was planning to get into California at latest. Well, I thought I thought Hoppers ten maybe latest midnight. Yeah. It's really terrible. Yeah. When I was riding, I had no no power. I couldn't stand anymore. My Achilles was blown. I couldn't sit on the saddle anymore because my bum was just way too yeah. sore and I'm riding along like hobbling along basically I'm, I've put it in my the biggest gear that I can manage to turn because I can turn slowly and at least that's giving me some forward momentum without like because a higher cadence would hurt the Achilles more and it's just like I, I didn't know how to ride a bike anymore basically and it's like if it didn't matter which way I pedaled it was mm. painful so and and so and oh, it's just oh man I go back. <laughs> but the one the one funny thing that happened I was like I was riding along there. There was a section there was a section just before we joined the R three five five and I see I see this this tiny light in the distance like it's really small light and I think oh, I wonder who that is like and I'm I'm leaning like going across the road and I'm I'm looking and I'm looking deep into this light and I, and then suddenly there's this massive tractor. That's driving up the road. Oh my god! The, the, the farm worker. Tiny light. Yeah, he's using his cell phone light as as the light to drive oh my his, tra- his massive tractor. So I had to swerve. I couldn't hear it either because the wind was pumping. Yeah. So I had to swerve out of the way of this tractor. He was not stopping. Yeah. He was not stopping for anything. I don't know. He, he I, probably didn't even see you. Yeah, I don't know what he was. Well, I had my light on, so he, he must have seen me. But I swerved out of the way of this massive tractor, and. Um, carried on along eventually got wild, eh? got got to the artery so that was the only person i saw for 14 hours basically this tractor driver and you know i'm giving away the story now that i was out there for so long but this is how i got there and i turned on to r355 this is the longest is the r3 the r355 is the longest straight road in I think it's South long, Africa. It's the longest gravel road. Longest gravel Africa, road in yeah. South Africa, right? Yeah. But okay. when you turn onto it in this point of the course, you're only you're only sixty k's away from Calfinia. Okay. Okay. So you've got that Blokrans Pass. Yes. Um, which is still quite a steady climb. 
but that's the only thing in the way of you and mm. Calfinia basically. Yeah. But I looked at my Garmin and it was saying I was going 7Ks an hour and I was like, what the, well, I swore at my Garmin, I thought you must be broken, there's no way yeah. I'm going 7Ks an hour here. So I was getting super frustrated now, like not mm. slept, being super intense the whole, the last couple of days and that intensity was, I realized now the wrong wrong way to go about it just sapped all the energy or it sapped unnecessary energy put it that way so i keep on the side of the road uh, or i try to keep on the side of the road i pull pull a bivy bag out and um try and but it's rock hard there's like there's no soft mm. places to find um and it's so exposed i mean it's so exposed yeah there's no shelter from the wind mm. and it blows like crazy there all as the well. mosquitoes either and like oh my god no <laughs> so, <laughs> so so, but anyway, I, I, I kind of fell asleep for a little bit, but I started having these really, really bad nightmares um, while I was on the road, like really bad nightmares. One of them was, one of them was, I was... I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, I was in a, I was in, a in like a mass shooting. Oh I know, it's crazy. Gosh. Like I, I, was, I was involved in a mass shooting. I was trying to hide away from the shooter, basically. Um, so I had very restless sleep trying to avoid these nightmares and like a few other things i can't remember what all the nightmares were but yeah they were they're like i was constantly one of them was i thought someone was kicking me um and and trying to take my bike so i, I shot up in panic trying to fight this guy off yeah but there was no one there oh, and so I'm, I'm on edge now in the middle of the night i'm not enjoying anything about this the like the stars are out in full force mm. but i don't care <laughs> Um, anyway, so I'm so freaked out. I say, okay, no, whatever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep on riding, um, and I keep plodding along at my seven, eight k's an hour, and and then eventually I crack again two hours later, and just at the bottom of Blokrans Pass, which is now only only thirty k's away from Calfinia mm. or the end you're, of the afternoon. You're almost on the tar road by this stage, eh? Or yeah, thirty k's from it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I see this. I see this. This street sign. You know those signs that say the turning of the road is going. Yeah. So you can, the reflectors <clears throat> show the cars that they don't ride off the road in the middle of the night because there's a bend. I I thought okay, that's a great place just to sit down and lean against the pole. So I sat, I put my bike down, sat down, leaned against the pole, and immediately, fifteen seconds later, I was nodding off. Like no way. Like fifteen seconds, my head was dropping. Like, yeah. Completely falling asleep, but then restless nightmares started again. And uh, oh my God, one of the one of the one of the weird ones was uh, I'm going to show you now as well. But one of the weird ones was I saw this this like this hairy Wolverine kind of animal with long toes, but very human facial hair, <laughs> long shaggy <laughs> hair, and and this you're there's no one for freaking no, K's, no one. And I see this thing. I I won't call it hallucinations because my eyes were closed and like it was just flashes of images and yeah. things going through my head um obviously not in a good way yeah uh, and like but anyway so i see this this thing in my head and um like it freaked me out a little bit it's like how like how in the world can i just make that up in my mm. mind i remember thinking how can i how can i just imagine that that's just crazy it's like the weirdest looking thing um and then today, this morning, when I was making notes just about like or reflections about yeah. the whole race, I, I remember Max Reese on the or Reese, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce, but on the bus on the way to Plate, he was handing out stickers to his his website, 
and yeah. his podcast, uh, his podcast website, yeah, yeah, Zoom, all of that, and the logo of it. I'm going to show you now. I put it. I, he gave it to me. I put it in the back of my phone. I didn't think yeah. twice of it. Like I'm not going to throw it away or something in front of the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't think twice twice about this mm. this logo. And let me show you this logo that that I pulled out of the phone because I wanted to when I was making these notes. I wanted to go back and actually. I remember he gave me. That's the, the logo. I want to check yeah. his website out just to see more about him and check the top there. Oh my gosh! This <laughs> is like a like a mountain. Um, yeah, that is it's like a yeti kind like of like a yeti kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So that I had seen crazy. that picture just to give people ideas. Like this long, hairy yeti looking thing. Again. Yeah, like definitely a wolf with like long ears, kind of lynxy ears, and hunched over, short tail, like a bobcat kind of wolverine thing. Yeah terrifying dude yeah. so this is the thing that was that was the thing that i saw yeah and i'd only seen this for the, the 10 seconds it took me to put this in my cell phone case like that yeah i didn't think of it again i didn't check his website i didn't look at anything wow. until until today then i saw that thing and i, I went I, like i got goosebumps because i thought yeah. how crazy is the mind that you can see something for 10 seconds yeah on a bus trip and then Nuts. four days later, when you're deprived on sleep, that, that image comes into your head. Yeah. That is absolutely unreal, dude. That's goosebump shit. That's <laughs> mad. And I got a fright. I woke up again. I thought I need to get going. But the first thought I had when I woke up is I need my bow and arrow. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> obviously, as one does on the R355, yeah. I need my bow and arrow. And for 10 seconds, I thought, where's my bow and arrow? I've never done archery in my life. <laughs> I was thinking, where is my... Dude, know. this is absolutely mind-blowing. And so... I just, what a wild thing. And I realized, oh shit, I don't, I don't have a bone arrow. I don't need a bone arrow. I just need my, my puffy jacket. I need to yeah. get back on my bike and I need to ride. Is it quite cold now? Like yes, now, now it's cold. Now, okay. I'm, now I'm shivering. Uh, I need to get going again because I'm not comfortable on the ground. At, the, at this stage, I... I'd slipped all the way down the pole and I was sleeping, like using my helmet as a pillow, basically, and yeah, just sleeping like that um, on the ground. Um, but yeah, I, I got up and decided to just carry on, but I couldn't, I couldn't pedal anymore. I couldn't sit on my bike. I couldn't. My Achilles was yeah. excruciatingly sore. I couldn't Not sit much you anymore. Can do. So I thought, okay, you know what? All I'm going to do is I'm just going to take it slow. I'm going to walk up this pass. Okay. The sun had started rising at this point as well. So mm. 10 o'clock now was 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning. And I was starting to run out of water at this point because I only took enough for the five, six hours mm. I was going to be out, of, out there. Um, and I started getting a little bit worried about the water situation, even though it was still cool. I thought I knew I had enough time, but it was mm. the worry in the back of my mind that I need to think about this. Because still at this point, not a single car had come past me at any point other than that tractor. And I, I get up and I carry on walking up this pass. I walk all the way up this pass. Little do I know. Um, okay, no, wait. I, I walk, while walking at this point, I completely broke. I thought, I can't do this. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm cracked. So I send Brian, I don't have cell phone signal. So I send a, a, a message on my tracker that I'm cracked, exclamation mark, like, but it's yeah. very difficult to type messages on those things because you only click one button at a time to work yeah. your way through the alphabet. And 
So you can't write, there's no context. <laughs> there's, there's no context. So this sets off a chain of events yeah. that just leads to absolute panic from our family, basically. They can see me moving on the tracker, but they can see me moving at only Very one and a half Ks an hour. And they start panicking now because they, well, now I hear yeah. that they, they don't know what's going on with me. They think I've had a, they don't know if I've had a mechanical or what's going on yeah. because he's moving, but he's moving so slowly. And um, I keep walking and walking and walking. Eventually, I get to the top of the pass and I get back on the bike because you can freewheel a little bit. So I try and freewheel the sections that I could ride. And and I, I keep doing that. And one or two messages pop through from Bryony on the inReach. Mm. Um, I'd also sent to another one that said, said uh, we'll assess in Culve. And then I sent to another one that says, said um uh yeah after yeah i said i said at this point in my head i'd, I'd broken down like mm. i said come to california because i thought i was going to quit i can't right i can't walk all the way to Vinton. yeah so <laughs> i sent her i sent her <laughs> a, <laughs> Sorry, a message <laughs> please fetch me and this obviously then added to the panic because yeah. they they think i'm in an emergency but meanwhile i just wanted to send it so that she could kind of get yeah Get going. Get going. So by the time I get to California, she's there, yeah, and I can cry on her shoulder, kind of thing. But I was broken, eh? Like I was. At this stage, you're also probably, I mean, you're probably crying. You're yes, probably going, yeah, no, I was, going through I was, all emotions. I was going through all emotions, eh? Like yeah. just panicking, basically, like absolute noob panicking. Didn't couldn't work through it. Like you hear all these stories of these ultra guys that can break through these yeah. barriers and and do it. I couldn't break through it first time, like. Mm. Hopefully, I can use it as a lesson in, in future, but I, d- I definitely couldn't break through it the first time. Um, it just makes me take my hat off to mm. the guys that can do that first time. Unbelievable that they can because I was in a state. And um, I was getting very little info from Bryony so she could reply on text. Mm. And, she, and she sent me a text back on the, on the Garmin that said, uh, I have contacted Ray. So Ray True Brown, yeah, 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 in the media, part crew. of the media crew, yeah. But in the context of that moment, that is no information. It yeah. doesn't tell me anything. Like, <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I've still got twenty k's to get to California, and I'm going at on average three k's an hour because I can roll. Yeah. So, I, like, I was pedaling where I could, but then yeah. I'd stop every five minutes. I was completely destroyed. I, I'd stop every ten minutes and try and rub the Achilles or. You know, just trying to gather myself, do something. Trying to do something, yeah. yeah. And anyway, so I I keep doing this. I keep doing this. Eventually, I get, I'm 12Ks from California. And this cop car rolls up. And they say, oh, yeah, Jonathan. And I was like, I just broke down. Hey, I was like, they've got, yeah. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) And, uh, And this, meanwhile, now the panic, I'd said, please come fetch me. And set off this chain events where chain of events where this, my family was panicking yeah. they had called the hotel and asked them to please send someone to to fetch me but yeah. they didn't want to send anyone so the hotel then contacted the cops apparently yeah something like to that of that nature and anyway i get picked up by these cops and first thing they asked me are you injured and i was like <laughs> yes <laughs> so cool we take you to the hospital i was like no i don't need to go to the hospital yeah. Now we're using state resources, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to come and read. There must be this guy must have a bullet wound or yeah, he yeah, must yeah. have been stabbed or anything. Why are the cops getting involved? Yeah. So 
they half interrogating me in the van, but while they're trying to ask me what's happening and what you're actually doing out here, yeah, uh, I fall asleep. <laughs> oh my god! Like straight away in the van while they while they're talking to me. Um, oh so they god. just think this guy's this is weird because yeah, and they have no context of the race they have or anything. No context at all. It's just a guy crying on a bicycle in the middle of the Karoo that gets into the van and won't speak to them. Oh <laughs> and just gosh, falls dude. asleep. So, so anyway, they. <laughs> oh, that was that was wild. Then, then they get that is me. absolutely insane. So you you did get in the van though. I, I got in the van. Yeah. Uh, um, I was gutted at this point. I knew getting I, getting in the van was tantamount to quitting for me. And I was like, okay, this this race is done. Mm. Um, and at this stage, I I was devastated about this. Yeah. About, about quitting because I thought I could work through these things and you know like somehow f- and just face it somehow make a plan get. I just want to get to Calfinia as well. See, see, you know, like just, yeah. Well, at one stage I just wanted to get to Calfinia, but that stage was a couple of hours earlier. And then I'd quit basically by saying, Bryony, please fetch me. Um, and so it was a lot to deal with. And like, you're so tired. You're not thinking straight. Like mm. I apparently I had a conversation with Bryony as I got to town um, that I can't, I cannot remember at all. Um, she called me, I answered, I said, I have to quit now. I got picked up. I have to quit. And I was like really grumpy. But meanwhile, I didn't necessarily know that she was kind of involved. She was involved in this well, whole thing. Kind of thing, but it was... And she's just trying to help panic. you. Yeah, everyone was just like, <laughs> she's actioning the message. I sent, please fetch yeah. me. She's obviously also worried. Yeah. And it's like, you think you're communicating clearly, but you're not. And not clear-headed at all. And so I get to the hotel. Um, and... I just book in, I, I get a room and I think, okay, I'm going to go to sleep now. And of course, next to me, they're doing renovations. Oh my God, no, please. <laughs> it's like, just get, it goes from bad to worse. And the, all they are playing on the radio, the, the workers are playing Bob Marley. And like, I think I heard Buffalo Soldier about yeah. 17 times in the next couple of hours. But... Anyways, that was like the no. least of my worries actually because I didn't care. I was, I was happy to be in a bed. I had food. Yeah. Um, but you was, probably also don't have any kind of appetite, I'm guessing, at this stage. No, I just wanted healthy things at this stage. So I was yeah. eating like fruits and um, fresh very things. watery fresh yeah. things and all of that. So, so, but I was talking to loved ones and, and, and like supporters and like everyone was trying to encourage me and get me through it and... Mm. and Someone said get over-the-counter hemorrhoid cream yeah. that will help with the saddle sores. I was like, okay. So I ordered in from the pharmacy and they delivered it to the hotel and I had hemorrhoid cream on my butt cheeks for the saddle sores. Yeah. Um, you know, they were bad saddle sores. At this point, I pulled my chamois off at the hotel and there's blood in the chamois. It was just like oh, no, it was a disaster, yeah. like yeah. completely cut open. And, and anyway, I put this cream on. And I put my legs up. I air myself out. I'm lying completely naked on the yeah. bed. It's, a, it's such a state. You can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just in a state, no, lying wild, naked, yeah. trying to trying to air out my bum, basically. Yeah. And uh, in and out of sleep the whole time, getting messages from people, asking people, what should I do? Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> dealing with the fact that I was quitting. Like, I just couldn't, I didn't want to quit. There was, there was the last part of me that I ever thought was going to happen. I didn't, I, I, I don't start these things thinking oh, I won't finish kind of, yeah. you know, very naively, I think, but 
Um, anyway, then I a, a few hours went by. I had then I had I got my appetite back a little bit. I ordered a chicken schnitzel, some chips with salad. I got I got that down nicely. And and when I sat down again to turn the TV on, I thought I'm going to kill some time now. I'm going to because at this stage, at this stage, Bryony had actually gotten into the car. Oh, she was on her way. She had gotten into the car. She was, she had yeah. left Cape Town. She was about an hour out of Cape Town, and I sat down on the chair, and I thought, hang on. That didn't hurt that bad. Yeah. So I jump up immediately and I think I put my my bib on, my soaking wet bib, because I obviously rinsed it to try and get yeah. everything out and the salt and it was just disgusting. Yeah, so yeah. I showered with it on and or I, I threw it in the shower while I was showering and it was just mm. stomping on it to get it clean because it was just disgusting. But it was just hanging there and it was soaking wet. Anyway, mm. I, th- I threw it back on and I ran out of the hotel, much to the bewilderment of the receptionist and everyone yeah. saw this broken man coming in earlier in the morning and now after getting a packet from <laughs> a pharmacy packet delivered <laughs> to me in my room I'm suddenly, <laughs> yeah, I'm suddenly running out of the hotel and I, I, I go right up and down the street for five minutes and I can sit down again I, I'm literally I can sit down again I think oh my word what what is the body actually doing like why is it doing this like, 12 hours earlier, I could yeah. not. It was impossible for me to sit down. So that cream must be amazing or yeah. whatever it is. But I go back to the hotel and I say to them, please, can somebody give me a lift back to where I got in, which was about 12 Ks down the R355, so about 17 Ks from Calfinia. And eventually I convince someone to, to give me a ride back and, and I take all my stuff, get on my bike, ride back to the hotel, I hadn't checked out yet because I thought if the yeah. 17 Ks goes badly, then yeah, then, then you can I'm really gonna, then I'm gonna then I'm really done. Okay. So I get to that point, but the guy that gave me a lift, Daniel, it's like you could see this this like let me actually just check on so like, say I said thank you very much. He's like no, don't worry, I'm gonna just stand here and smoke a cigarette. I'll be behind you for a little bit. And he, yeah. He kind of followed me and kept an eye on me all the way, but at this point the stonking tailwind, I could sit again. I was in the trial bars again and I was started riding and I got, I did the, the 17 Ks actually quite quickly and I thought, great. It's not perfect. My bum is by far from perfect, but I can yeah. still, I can sit, which is a win. So I thought, okay, great. Bryony, go home. So she, she turns around and goes home. I contact Ray and the guys again. I said, I'm going to give this one more shot. Um, and, and it's cool like in the rules, as long as you start where yes, you ended, you, you, you can you, just... If you catch any ride, you can... You, well, for a mechanical or any reason. Yeah. At this point, I was also running out of water, so it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah, fine yeah. to get okay. lift into town. Like, oh, if it's an issue, it's an issue. But at, yeah. at that point, when I had gotten into the cop van, I had quit. Man. Yeah. So I quickly thought, okay, let me just get over the fact that I got in the van and just go back to the point. Mm. And if I have to deal with anything later on, I'll, I'll deal with it. Mm. But if it's a problem, then whatever. The point is I want to do the ride. So... So I thought, okay, I'm going to get to Lurisfontaine, which is only another 90K, so another five and a half, six hours from Calfinia. And um, I'm going to do the same thing again tonight. I'm going to eat a great meal. I'm going to rest for six, seven hours. I'm going to air the bum out. I'm going to put cream on again. Mm. And tomorrow we start again. Tomorrow is going to be a brand new race. We're only about halfway at this point. I'll start again tomorrow. And I'll still, I'll still finish in my goal time. Or maybe not my exact goal time. Maybe I'll have to call in and yeah. take another day or two of leave. 
Yeah. But Understandably so. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was rejuvenated. Hey, I, I'd, I'd gotten to Lurie's Fontaine. I'd eaten. I had a real beer. I thought, I'm turning this around. I'm going to take away the intensity that I'd been, that mm-hmm. had led me to just failing, basically, in the first place. And I'm just going to turn around. I'm just going to make my own ride. I'm not looking at trackers. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to look at anybody else. I'm just going to focus on what I need to do every day. And uh, I go to the guest house. I plug all my stuff in. I get ready for bed, brush my teeth, get naked again to mm. put the cream on and everything out. And an hour after climbing to bed, I just break out in this feverish sweat. This, you know, when you're mm. shivering and you're so cold, but you're sweating and suddenly you're hot and then you're cold and I'm going to the toilet a bunch and mm. like every half an hour I'm on the toilet. So I don't know if it was food poisoning or shock yeah. to the body or, or what it was, but basically then another whole night of not sleeping yeah on top of all of the not sleeping and the bob marley's and the buffalo souls <laughs> and the, hot, the hard rows and the hot warm rooms and enjo yeah. and just terrible sleep since grayton essentially mm. which was 900 k's earlier at that stage mm. basically not having slept a comfortable hour since then basically was okay maybe i had a comfortable hour at the cedarburg oasis um, but that that was it for, yeah. from a sleep point of view and it was just that was the ultimate straw that broke the camel's back I just said I, I can't because to recover from this I'm going to have to take another day or two because yeah. I'm about to get into the hottest section of the course I'm dehydrated obviously because I've been on the toilet the whole time and, and I was shattered that's, that's a risk to your to your health yes. long term as at, well at like this point it, become, it became a risk to my health and yeah. I thought okay this is a sign I, I can't actually carry on and I then quit again because it's possible in such a long race to quit twice. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I quit again, but this time when I did, I was way more at peace with it. I was way yeah. calmer. I didn't, there were no, there were no sobs or tears or like. It's a very rational sort of. It's very rational. This isn't for me. Mm. The route's not going anywhere. There's no time limits on it. I can go back in six months time. And I can finish the route I set out to do in the first place and and actually finish the thing. So that was that was me. Um and my Rana run basically yeah. that came to an end in literally the very well kept town. Of Fontaine. Fontaine. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Yeah, so Dude, that, that that is like the most unbelievable story. And it just it just like at every turn it just gets it just gets more and more interesting and fucked up. <laughs> that is yeah. absolutely wild. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm so glad you didn't do the whole thing because then we'd have to sit here for five hours. And, and, and this is a, like, dude, this is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't know like it gets... I mean, I had a, an inkling of, of sort of how gnarly it gets, obviously, just from the kinds of things that you're seeing on, on Instagram and that kind of thing. But to hear the details like this and to hear about the hallucinations or the dreaming and the nightmares and the yetis and like, that is just absolutely crazy. And and the the worst thing is like a small part of me now wants to maybe do something like this one day <laughs> <laughs> what is it about people that want to, you know like that's honestly crazy dude um 
and I mean, yeah, it's just absolutely, I, I don't know what to say. Like it's, it's, I think it takes a little while to just to process like what, what you've told me now, um, is just mind blowing. Honestly, if you, if you, you've spoken about two of the main sort of things that you've learned from this whole process, firstly, you're going to do this next year. If, if they have it again, I'll, I'll try my best yeah. to do it. We are lucky enough to be having a kid in January, our first yeah. child. So we've got a baby. Fair coming. enough. I don't know. Right, I've got a lot to think about right now, but priorities might change. If, mm. if there isn't that right now, I want to definitely because it's. Maybe the baby's, the baby's what you need. You get those dad watts. Yeah, that just, that just happens as soon as the baby's born. Or maybe I just completely <laughs> lose interest as well. That could yeah. happen. And I'd be okay with that as well. If, mm. if Priorities change. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it, but if I still have the desire that I could do now, then I've definitely got a score to settle. And, I, mm. and it, it, was, it was a great feeling. It really was a great feeling being, being strong three days in or four days mm. in when I was strong and I was, and I was making up ground, my ride at night strategy mm. was working and everything was going smoothly. And then a series mm. of events that just Absolutely blew me crazy. apart so yeah. quickly. So yeah, learning, I learned so much. I guess it's just one big, le- like a learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's massive learning. And it's like, I realize now it's a big, it was a big monster to take on. Yeah. As a as a bikepacking race. I think there's easier ones potentially to try. <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> Two thousand seven hundred Ks uphill. <laughs> but those guys, I mean it's 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 pretty much a curve initiative and they mm. all the way from Australia organizing something so cool. It's it is it's amazing what they actually put on. Um but it makes me think, well, we can do so much cool stuff here. Yeah. We, so, South Africa really does have yeah. the, the gravel potential to, yeah. to be. And I mean, I, I don't even think it is a potential anymore. Like it's, it's one of the top places in the world, I think, at yeah. the moment, especially with more and more of these races happening. Yeah. And of course, the shorter ones as well. Like yeah. we have the Karuba and um, the Gallows, which are like, you know, between 100 and, and 300 Ks, let's say those kinds of races, the Cedar, of course. Mm. You know, those things are gaining so much traction now and it's so cool. And uh, it's really making making South Africa like a super hotspot for this kind of riding, which is which is phenomenal and where it needs to be. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there are only four South Africans in the field at, mm-hmm. at Rhino Run. So everyone from around Germany, Austria, yeah. France, uh, Romania, Australia, a big chunk, New Zealand. So it's it's really Mm. it's it's good it's 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 cool <laughs> yeah well dude thank you so so much we've we've managed to get uh to work our way through a couple of beers here as well which has been <laughs> nice um i've been keeping a, a a side eye here on the dot progress um and and banky has started moving again and his his numbers are fluctuating a little bit now so i think there's it's maybe just uh a, like some poor signal but he's still 14 k's ahead of abdullah so he's sitting on 2,616 Ks. Oh, um, so he's still got, it's still a distance, it's still quite a distance to go. 2,616. Yeah. So 100 and, 140 odd K, 135 odd Ks. Yeah. But you know, the, the climb, there's one That's, climb going into Vintuk that I think they've got to climb about 800 meters. 800 meters, yeah. Of it. Yeah. So that is, that climb, I think, 
yeah, that that climb is coming up now very shortly or like in the next 50 Ks or so, I think. If he makes it over the top first, he'll win. Yeah, it's very close. It's crazy to, to see how close this race is. I mean, third position is 30 Ks away. Uh, Steve, 30? Steve Halligan. He's only 30 Ks away. Yeah, he's 30 Ks away. He's sitting on... Uh, no, sorry, sorry. I'm misreading here. 2,270. Okay. So he's yeah. he's a, he's quite a ways back, a couple hundred Ks back. Yeah, a couple of days. Yeah, that's so wild. He's like a couple of days behind me. I know, these guys, <laughs> I, I don't know, like the perspective perspective of the, the, the... Kevin and Abdullah are just insane. They've just blown this thing completely yeah. out of the water. It's, it's like, ridiculous. And seeing the stuff that they went over and how quickly they went over it, yeah. It just blows my mind. It honestly blows my mind. It's it's wild. <laughs> but thank you so much, dude, for giving us a little bit of an insight into what this this whole genre of the sport, because I think it's a completely different thing to a normal kind of ride. Um, yeah, thanks so much for giving us the insight and, and sharing the nitty-gritty details. And I think it's just unbelievable to hear the kind of pain and suffering, and but also like the reward you get out of it, you know? Um, well, a reward or a lesson, whatever. It yeah, is, it's, it's definitely something you're going to carry with you for the rest of your uh, life. Yeah, like failure is a good fuel as well <laughs> yeah, for the future. It's a no terrible kidding. feeling. Like really, it's yeah, so terrible to quit. <laughs> yeah, but dude, yeah, thank you so much. Um, really appreciate it, and and I hope you you take a couple a couple more days off the bike. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get on again maybe in two weeks. I yeah, think. <laughs> fair enough. Man. Well, yeah, thank you so much and good luck with the recovery. Thank you. It's as much as I can say. Awesome.